Let's open the word of the Lord to John chapter 16. We're going to read verses 7 and 12 and 13. I'm greatly encouraged. But I agree we should all be here Wednesdays as much as we can. Um, I know some of you work, uh, some of you are taking care of the children. For those of you that can't, it's very important that you uh, break through. And I guarantee you, every time you're going to try to come on Wednesdays, your flesh is going to fight you. Tooth and nail is going to say, you're too tired. That's all right, other people are there. But some, there's a dynamic that happens when we all come together to pray. One can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. And with that type of equation, a group full of Christians praying could move a city. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Just uh, texted with uh, uh, Minister Al. Uh, Minister Al, he's at home. He's taking care of his missus. Minister Liz, she's not feeling well, but they're actively looking. So everybody just turn around to the camera and just wave to Al and Liz. We love you guys. Praise God. One of the prophetic words that uh, Cindy Jacobs gave us when she came to our church, she stood in the middle there, and she says there's going to come a point where your ministry has 5,000 people watching you at any given time. And I say, praise God for that. Because see, we, we've learned that these four walls don't hold us up. They don't limit us. They don't, they don't keep us, um, I guess, uh, chained or shackled. We've been released to the world. We start in our Jerusalem, then we break through to Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? Amen. Praise God. John chapter 16, verses 7, and then 12 and 13. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Holy, the Spirit of truth, has come, that's verse 12 and 13, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit in this place, in our lives. Thank you for the awesome relationship that you give us, Lord, to be children of God, co-laborers with you, and co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our hearts, in our minds, in each one of our lives. We praise you for it, my God. We pray for your healing, anointing upon Minister Liz as she uh, looks uh, via uh, the internet. I pray for your healing anointing to come upon her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, my Lord. And Father, we pray uh, as a congregation once again for these upcoming elections. Holy Spirit, I pray that you reveal all that has to be revealed <clears throat> and give, uh, give uh, the, this nation uh, your wisdom uh, to be able to vote according to your plan and purpose. Uh, Father, we, we know there's a lot of graft, there's a lot of corruption. Uh, Lord, uh, in every single sector of society, not because it's politics, it's just because it's the human heart. Wherever we are, unfortunately, we mess things up. So I pray for, uh, first and foremost, a revealing of that which needs to be shifted. And I pray, Father, for um, a loosing of your wisdom, my God, in every sector of the, politi the political forum. Uh, Lord God, for every sector, uh, every state, I pray that you would open up the eyes of all of our understanding, my God for our elected officials that are serving with all of their hearts. Uh, and Father, for those uh, that shouldn't be there, remove them. 
and replace them with people, Lord God, that would truly serve uh, their constituencies and serve their states and serve this nation. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would even uh, move supernaturally in this election. And uh, I also pray, Father, that you would bring a humbling, a humbling, a humbling, uh, Lord, in the hearts of man, because we've gotten too high and mighty, and Father, we've gotten too prideful, and so many uh, of, of us in this nation, my God, think that we could do it without you. Uh, Lord, without you, we could do nothing. Lord, without you, this nation wouldn't even exist today. So, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit moves supernaturally. Uh, Lord, remove all confusion. Bring clarity, my God. Bring clarity. Hallelujah. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you um, reveal to us your word, Lord God. Uh, I pray to think through my mind and speak through my lips. Uh, Lord, use my uh, testimony, Lord God. Whatever I would have, Father, I just submit it to you that you would, Lord God, do the teaching and the ministering, my God. Thank you, Father, because from the beginning of this day, you've been here present. Your word, your grace has been here present, Lord God, during the Sunday school, during bells, uh, Lord God, and everything that we've done, my God. Uh, you've been here and you are here with us. We love you, my God. We thank you, uh, my God, for your kindness, your love and tender mercies. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated in God's presence. So the last couple of weeks, we've been speaking about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is absolutely vital because without the Holy Spirit, pretty much, that's it. We really don't have a relationship with God. And uh, I read this verse a couple of weeks ago, uh, the importance that the helper come. While Jesus was there, he was the helper. He was uh, the one that was leading everybody to all truth. He said, but it's necessary that I go because the helper is with you, but he will live in you. So there was going to come uh, an actual occurrence where uh, not only would Jesus be with man, Jesus would be in man via the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was in his earthly ministry, he couldn't be in Jerusalem and Judea at the same time. He was limited in what he could do. Actually, most of the time, he, he, spent, he spent the majority of his time with 12 guys. You know what I'm saying? He's so famous, yet he spent most of his time with 12 people. And that's, that's amazing to consider because any successful person, any successful person knows that. They don't, they don't try to be all things to all people. They just try to focus their giftings and hang out with a, just a two or three or five or maybe seven really, really cool people that they can uh, let their hair down with, that love them, whether they're successful or not, love them on the good days, love them on the bad days, people that have similar visions, and they just love spending time with them, and they impart uh, blessing to each other, wisdom to each other, understanding to each other, and they help, help grow each other's ministries. And in business, that's also very important. CEOs know that. You, you know they don't try to run everything. They just have two or three key uh, VPs or you know, CEO, COO, or whatever you may have, and, and they spend most of the time with them. And so they basically delegate, downline, uh, to the company, and the company runs, runs great because they have quality people that think alike, uh, they're experienced in their specific, uh, I guess, jobs or responsibilities, and so Jesus did that. He spent most of his time with 12 guys. Now, these 12 guys were a mess. They really were. They, they, were, they didn't have it all together. Some were businessmen, some were uh, tax collectors, and you know what they thought about tax collectors in, they, in those days? They hated tax collectors because they, they were full of graft. Uh, it's not just happening now. It's, it happened back then. 
they would go in and instead of taking 5%, they would take 30%, pocket the 25 and give the 5% to the government, so to speak. So it was very, very uh, tough during those days. But yet Jesus called, you know, a motley crew, some, some people say. <clears throat> and uh, what happened was he turned them from uh, regular average folk to men that in Acts chapter 2, they were busy casting out devils, they were preaching. One message that a fisherman gave, literally 3,000 people came to Jesus. What would we do if 3,000 people suddenly show up to church? What would you do if you preach to a neighbor and then the next day they flood your house with 30 people? Come to your house, want to hear about Jesus. What would you do about that? Well, that's what happened with them. They didn't know what to do. They needed God's help. And we know all the way in the Old Testament, when Moses had that problem, Moses was called to pastor. And he had to pastor a very large church. I know some friends of mine have very large churches. Uh, my, my friend and mentor in Brooklyn, Dr. Bernard, he has 30-something thousand members. He's one of the smartest men in the world. He, he's, he's amazing. And uh, not for nothing, but I'm going to get in the flesh a moment, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get in the flesh in a moment. When I first met him, I was very, you know, uh, very inspired by him. He helped us out. He helped our church years ago. But I did not know that he was half Spanish. Yeah. I didn't know that. You know, I found that out. I was sitting in his church because for years I would go in the 8 o'clock service, just sit there, just to be blessed. Because pastors need to be blessed too. You people think we got our stuff together. <laughs> we have issues just like everybody else. So sometimes I'll go, I'll just get, go to be blessed. And they would always sit me in a nice place and I could scoot out afterwards and then come here. And, but I'm sitting there, there's an elderly woman, very well dressed and, you know, just really dignified woman. <clears throat> and she's sitting next to me. And you know me, I like to drink my water. Wherever I go, I always have my water. You know, where's my water? <laughs> See, I'll tell you, it's my water. So my water's right there. So I always have my water. So I would always bring my bag and I kept it there. So since it was another church, I would just go like this and I'd just take a little swig and put it back in. So what I did was, I did that. I went, took a little swig, put it back in. And she looked at me and, and I looked at her. And she says, we don't do that in this church. And I went, I looked at her. And for a moment, just for a moment... <laughs> <laughs> For a moment, I said, ahora? Eh? <laughs> Do you know me? Do I know you? <laughs> Have we had conversations before? You know, I mean, really? <clears throat> and then, I, of course, I caught myself. I said, thank you, ma'am. I, I won't do it again. And that's it. And she smiled. I smiled. And we kept on. I, got, I was blessed. Then I go to the back because at the end of the service, uh, Dr. Bernard always says hello to his friends and his co-laborers. We were up there. We're talking. Then I see her. <laughs> so he introduces me to her, his mother. <laughs> So thank God <laughs> that I'm a, I'm a little more mature now. And I, and I actually responded to her with respect and grace. And she starts talking to me in Spanish. And I go, that is so cool. My man is Panameño. I didn't know that. So I'm, I'm noticing, you know, because from, from the book of Acts, the book of Acts, you see a very wonderful revelation that many people in America don't know. In the book of Acts chapter 13, it looked different from the first 
uh, chapters of Acts because Acts chapter 2 you see the Jewish believers preaching and teaching and expanding and even from the diaspora where they were forced to move to different uh, places and regions they went preaching but it was predominantly from Jew to Jew but in Acts chapter 13 something unusual happened uh, some Jew went over there and preached to people that weren't Jew so the, a leadership formed in Antioch, in the church in Antioch, and it's weird because the leaders were two black gentlemen, two Greek guys, and one Jew. Or maybe one Greek guy and two Jews. So you see the mix. You see the way the church is supposed to look there. There's two guys from Africa, uh, a Greek guy, and I think two, two, two Jewish people. You do your study on it. And guess what happens? The, the five start praying. The Holy Spirit, because they had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, starts ministering to them right there and say, send out the two Jewish guys. Paul and uh, was, it wasn't Silas at this point. It was another gentleman. I'm just talking off the top of my head. But the beautiful thing out, the two Jewish men went out, continued doing what God called them to do. Who stayed leading one of the most significant churches in one of the most significant regions? Two African-American and one Greek guy. So I loved that. I said, wow, look at that presence there. Because we know that the Hispanic, we are uh, basically a combination of a European, African, and Indian combination. See, so we can see in Scripture that there is, uh, uh, the true church doesn't look only Jewish. It's Jewish and Gentile, right? But the way it rolls out is you see all nations in the church. So churches, obviously the demographics have a lot to play. You know, if, you have, if you're in an all-white neighborhood, for example, predominantly you might have all-white congregants. It's not that they're being selective, it's just demographics. But the true church, global you know, what would you see in heaven in the book of Revelation? That, that huge group of people that nobody can number, of all tribes, tongues, and, uh, and tri yeah, tribes and tongues and nations, all worshiping God in all different type of languages. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? And so when I look at the relationship of the Holy Spirit, um, it's very vital because immediately he'll plug you into his body. And one of the things that must be addressed as he plugs you into his body is the issue of racism. Because God is a God of all. He created us all. And he's very creative. God by nature is creative. He can't just continue making the same thing. He's not a, a computer. A computer just whips out the same thing over and over and over again. God, every time he, he creates a person, they're, they're unique. They're special. They're, they're different. So say to your neighbor, I'm an original. When God made me, he broke the mold. <laughs> Hallelujah. And see, when we flow in the Holy Spirit, what will happen is God will address the issues that we were raised with, uh, misnomers, uh, uh, elements of racism, because they're true. I'm, I, sometimes my mom, I talk to my mom, I said, Mom, that is racist. She has some sayings. I said, Mom, you are really, 
you, you need to repent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she, she has some strong, you ever, you know, deal with, you know, uh, uh, my mom, she's like a Puerto Rican woman, and, and she came here early in life, and she developed some weird philosophies. So I have to talk to her from time. I said, Ma, you, come on, you, 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 break out of that. You're like 83 already, you know? <laughs> come on. So we have fun with that. But in truth, you know, the parents will always give what they have. And there's always a bias somewhere. So when you come to Christ, one of the things that God starts dealing with you by relationship with the Holy Spirit is he starts breaking from you the things that were natural to your past but are no good for your future. Hallelujah. And especially, I mean, I just really loved what Cynthia did. I just really love that. You know, she's, she's inviting you to membership, amen, and, and that's, that's really cool. I just love the way you do it. And yes, I, I know the David Letterman thing, but you know, I, she missed it somehow because he had always had 10 things. Where were the other five? <laughs> yeah, but if you were going to really go hardcore Letterman, it should be 10. <laughs> and then the other thing, it shouldn't have just been the cards. This should have been in the, in the video some, you know, for every single thing, if you're really going to go Letterman. So I'll let you get away with it the first time. But the video wasn't there. We had five missing. And I just don't get it. I just don't get it. So, <laughs> so I, next, okay, okay. No, actually, I appreciate your creativity. But the thing I love about it is as you invite people to membership, that, it's a big problem. Because how do you spell member in church. P-R-O-B-L-E-M. Problem. Not because I'm saying people are problem because everybody comes with a uniqueness, a challenge, a different sort of um, viewpoint. Many people come from other churches, and which is fine. I mean, God will, sometimes uh, God will call you into his kingdom, but it takes a while for you to be set in a place where you feel comfortable. But meanwhile, you were in a church over there. For a whole year, you learned their way, and you just didn't like it. You just didn't feel, you felt like a round peg in a square hole, so to speak, right? And then you go to another church, and you feel like a square peg in a round hole. And then, then you go to this one, or that one, or the other one, and then you say, wow, I feel good here. I feel, I feel like I belong. That's because this is where God is knitting you, right? So, but here's the issue. You still come with all that stuff. So now comes the retraining and the retooling. Because again, and where I come from, I came from a very strict church. Very strict church. Um, and, and in that church, the women could not uh, cut their bangs because that was a sin. That's not in scripture, but it was a sin. I don't get it. But this is what they learned from their prior generation. And so... Over here, you know, when I was when I going to church, this is the way we always would dress. We were always dressed this way. I dress this way now because I like to. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, oh, hold on, hold on a second. Ah, yeah, yeah, too much. <laughs> So, meanwhile, you, you put a person like Nate next to me. <laughs> Nate, Nate, come here a second. Come here a second. <laughs> so, years ago, where are you going, man? Where are you going? 
I'm preaching now. I'm getting shy. I'm getting right. shy. I'm getting so shy. years ago, in my church, if I were to dress like that, they would immediately invite me to the altar. Or inv- immediately offer me the door. <laughs> He's wearing the suit on the inside. Okay. All right, all right. But I like... <laughs> I like this, like this get-up because, especially the sneakers, they're, they're just amazing. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I told the devil this morning. Game over. Game over. I'm waiting, I'm waiting patiently. We're good. Finish? Yeah. So I, I, I really like this get-up. There are people that no matter how much I try, I could never reach. Yeah, this man can. He's got, he's got a, a connection. And he's got an anointing to reach millennials, to reach... And people my, my age also. Believe me, you can reach people my age. But you can do a much better job than I can because I'll come off as stiff. And out of, out of uh, I don't know, connection... They might not understand the things I, I need to say. But I love it. This, this man, he's even got his bullet there. <laughs> but it's interesting. This bullet is cool. Because if you open the bullet, it's actually anointing oil. Isn't that cool? <laughs> this thing's amazing. <laughs> do, do me a favor. Will you close this? Oh, I Thank got you. You. I got you. you can see it. You'll be seated. Praise God. But, but I love... <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. So <laughs> but it, it's, it's very important because as a person feels knit in the church, they have to go through a process. And, and this is why relationship is so important. When you relate with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God starts giving you a sensitivity and he'll convict you. And we need that because we're very prideful as people. Yeah. We don't like taking garbage from anybody. So when you come to a church, and I have found this to be true on many occasions, and in many occasions I have personally lost relationships. Not because I've been tough on people, but because I've just simply exposed something in their life that I believe, uh, according to the word, they need to start changing but they were so um, enamored by it. It was an idol in their life. They refused to allow God to deal with that. Hence, anybody touches it, it's like a sore jagita. You know what a jagita is? It's like a, an open wound. You touch that, they get angry, they get offended, and leave. They don't give a chance to the Holy Spirit to start changing them. But the truth of the matter is, any person that's going to be great in any sector of society, let's say if you go to a brand new job, and your desire is to grow in that particular industry or organization, you're going to have to start taking it from somebody. You know, your boss, you might not like them, but yet they are the best for you. I remember when I was a teenager, I was 19 years old, I had a problem with lateness. I really did. I would get to work late 15, 20 minutes, I just had that problem because my parents never taught me. And, that, and that's why, you know, good parenting is very important because you're the ones that do the first setup for your children. You teach them to be on time. You teach them to do their homework. Teach them, you know, some disciplines because later on they have, you know, if you don't do it, the boss is going to do it. Right. So the bottom line, life is going to hit you and life is merciless. Right. So, I, you know, my, my supervisor, the first real supervisor I had, uh, he came to me. He just one day walked into my office. He says, if you keep on coming in late, I'm going to fire you. 
But, 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 no buts. I'm going to fire you. You come late one more time. And I was so offended. I was so angry at him. I, I, was, I, I was beside myself. This horrible guy. How dare he? He was telling me the truth. But my mindset at that point filtered everything through my bad habits. Got it? So what happens is you can't hear the truth because your filter is so doggone loud. So little by little, you either start accepting some measure of, of accountability or you're going to live life that way. Later on, when I was a supervisor, I was dealing with 50 and 60-year-old babies. I'm serious. There are some people in their 50s, I would talk to them and they would throw a tantrum. I, I, they were literally just like that, a tantrum just like that. <laughs> No, they would throw a tantrum yeah, 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 and walk off my office. I would look at him and says, oh, my God. So I would call him back. You calm now? No, well, I didn't like the way he's talking. He says, you could be my father. I'm in my 20s. You're 60, and you're acting like a child. What are you going to teach my generation? That's how I would do it. And they would bow their head. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, would, they would actually finally, yeah, this thing is like sort of, let me see. So I would talk to them, and then they, they would open up their heart, because I didn't come at them hard. And I would start addressing the situation. And that's what my supervisor did to me. He challenged me rough. He said, you better start coming on time. And you know something? Suddenly, I realized I got an epiphany. You know, if I take a train 15 minutes early, it gives me 15 minutes margin time, and I get to work on time. But that was a challenge for me. In the same way, when a person first comes to a local congregation, they have to develop new relationships. That's how come I tell people, we've got to be careful. When people first come to a fellowship, don't be tough on them. In, in the church where I was in the 70s, they would be tough on people from the beginning. Oh, you can't, you can't dress that way when you come to church. Yeah, but then you're not going to give the person to have a chance to hear the word because you're going to offend them from the get-go and they'll never sit there long enough to soak in the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So they don't have a chance to hear. And you know, it's hypocritical because the person that tells them, well, you better fix yourself up before you come here. That person was a mess before and somebody had mercy on them. If we don't have mercy... On each other, some people, I don't go to church, I got offended by a person. Yeah, and that person, were they there 20 years? Were, 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 did they just start fellowshipping there? We cannot gauge that. So you have to come, and this is why I say a local church, and I'm talking to Calvary, a local church, we have to be loving, because that's God's heart. The whole book, the whole book, the good book, the Word of God is written based on love. It's a, it's, it's a story of, not a story, but you know, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's a story of love, of restoration, of, of, of father asking his children to come back home. Amen. You see, so when you look at it in that context, anything that you would want to do with somebody else must by nature, by the very nature of the Spirit of God that's in us, show some kind of love. Even correction must be done in love. But it must be done. You know, I understand that. So I love the fact that, you know, we, we can uh, ask people to come and, and, and those that desire to, uh, um, I guess, be taught and be mentored and get baptized. That, to me, is the greatest thing in the world because that's showing God's heart, you know, and that's creating a small picture of that macro picture in the book of Revelation where you see uh, an, 
sin número they call it. It's a number that no man can number of people of all tribes and tongues and, and languages and, and um, nationalities worshiping God together. Amen? I love it. I love it. And you see the way the enemy is attacking uh, on a global scale. What is he attacking? He's attacking faith. He's attacking faith. There's a strong element of, of, of principalities in nations that are trying to shut down faith, especially Christian faith. All the religions, they're accepting them, they're bringing them to school, but religion, as, as, as being attacked, we're looking primarily Christian. You know, you can't bring your Bible anymore to work. Children can't bring their Bibles to school. You can't put a t-shirt, that's, you know, talks about God is love. They challenge everything that has to do with faith. That's not the humans doing that. They don't realize that there's a spirit behind that. And so we have to just stand. Part of the relationship uh, that the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> uh, or rather part of we get from a relationship with the Holy Spirit is according to Ephesians chapter 6. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So part of the relationship of the Holy Spirit that benefits us is the fact that we receive a power that is beyond the norm, beyond natural. He gives his super to our natural. Right? So what happens is when people attack us and say, yeah, you're one of those. They say, yeah, I am. I am. And if you want to, we'll talk about it. We can discuss it. I love the Lord, you see. But it takes power to do that because behind their discussion, there's a, a, a spirit empowerment to bring shame, to bring embarrassment, to try to bring you down. It, 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 see, the enemy wants to destroy your faith. And this is why before you go out there and do anything, you have to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus was in his earthly ministry, did he just jump out there and go and minister? What did he first do? Well, let's look through the steps. When he was in his 30th year and he was released, he went to the Sanhedrin. He stood there, read the book of Isaiah, right? He says, I be the one. <laughs> in essence, that's what he said, you know. And he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. And he sat down and even then they were, you know, they were offended. But what did he first go and do? Yes. He got baptized. First thing he did was get baptized. What happened in the baptism? Huh? God acknowledges you are my son. But even before that, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon him. They saw as, as a dove. And it, and it came upon him. So even Jesus, before beginning his earthly ministry, going out there and cleansing the leper and, and raising the sick, and all of that stuff, he was filled with the Spirit in his earthly ministry. So you could see he was baptized. He says, I have to fulfill all righteousness, so even I will be baptized. It's a symbol. He says, I am dying to old, and I, am, you know, I come back in newness of life, brand new life, right? He didn't have to because he was pure, but he went through all of it as man for us. And the Spirit of God fills him. And then guess what the Spirit of God does first through him? Who remembers? Absolutely right. That's amazing. First thing the Spirit of God takes him is to be tested and tempted. 
God, I thought you loved me. <laughs> yeah, I'm preparing you for war. Yeah, I'm preparing you because the enemy that's coming at you doesn't love you, wants to kill you, wants to destroy you, and you need to be strong. You, mean to, you need to be strong in my might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But since he had personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and he had love for the word of his father, he already had the word of God in his heart, right? Filled with the spirit. He goes right there. What does the enemy do? He starts testing him and tempting him in the areas that is common to life. Power, greed, graft, all of that stuff he presents in a, in a, a, in a micro three-level temptation. And in each case... Jesus brings them back to the word. In each case, he stands. So this is what's going to happen to us. We're all going to be tempted. We're all going to be tested. Guaranteed. Say to your neighbor, this is a guarantee. And this is where I disagree with many preachers today. Because they have this loosey-goosey kind of uh, preaching that, you know, you just receive uh, Jesus and everything's going to be all right. You're never going to have a problem. You know, he's going to resolve everything for you. No, you're going to have difficult times on earth because the spirit you are fighting against wants to destroy anything that's God, anything that's about God. So this is a reason why we need to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will lead you to the places you need to be the people you need to know, but he will also start breaking down the things that are in you that are natural but are no good. They're, they're, they're from your past. They're, you know, it could be a failure. It could be something that somebody told you. In my own life, I've had to deal with issues that people told me 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and only now can I look at those and say, wow, now I'm delivered from that because some things were a process. Some things are things I refuse to deal with. Some things are, are, are things that I didn't even know were in me. Many times, everybody knows, and you're the last one to know. Yeah, sometimes you think people see you a certain way, but they see you a very different way. And you're totally fooled and deluded. You, you think, oh yeah, people think I'm this way. Not true. And you're the last one to know. But if you give an opportunity to the Holy Spirit, He will uh, highlight those issues for you. I remember years ago, I had the privilege. This was an amazing thing. And to this day, I still remember how, how. I could just say, God gave me the privilege to be able to, um, to walk with a world-level deliverance ministry and translate for them. And a gentleman by the name of Carlos Anacondia. You might not know him because his forte is Spanish America. He doesn't speak English. But he got so well-known that a lot of the American ministries asked him to come in and preach in their churches and teach them about deliverance. In his revivals, he would have huge tents or he would have stadiums. He was a multi-millionaire in terms of business, and he would fund all of his uh, revivals. So he didn't need anybody to you know, give offerings or anything because he was a multi-millionaire. So he would go to these revivals. I'm talking about thousands upon thousands of people would be delivered from all sort of things. And so one of my, my friends called me to translate for him upstate. And I said, you want me to translate for Carlos Anacondia? Wow, okay. So I went. I made myself available. And my wife and I went. We had so much. I want to use the word fun, but it's not really fun like playing basketball. It was just I enjoyed the process so much. To, and I learned so much from that type of ministry, that evangelistic type of ministry. And what they would do is they, he would make massive prayers and literally 10, 20, 30,000 people would get delivered. I mean, it was massive. 
You, you think if 30 people show up here, the place is packed, right? How about 30,000? And so what would happen is they would have a tent just for deliverance. So all those people would go next door to a huge tent, and he would have a whole litany of, of ministers that he had trained. And they would go through the deliverance process. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because part of the way they allowed uh, the people to be delivered is just by talking to them. There was no weird, come out in the name of Jesus. Ah, ah. You know what I learned there? I learned that some of that hurts people, doesn't help people. But it's religion, and we're so used to that. I saw one, and I, maybe you saw it on Facebook. It was, for me, it was funny. I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, the guy just mentions, you got to see this. So this, here's this pastor. He's casting a guy. Come out in the name of Jesus. Guy's rolling. He's all over the floor, and he's, ah, he's crying and screaming. And, and it's, it's terrible. It's, and suddenly, the guy gets a call. The guy that's being delivered gets a call. Ring. So he stops right there. Yeah. Don't you know I'm being delivered right now? Leave me alone. Call me back later. Thank you. <laughs> so so the, the pastor or the, the person there, instead of continuing to pray, you pray for me. He said, do you know who I am? You know, this is insulting to me. And I mean, just, it's, it's, it, it, it's ironic is what it is. It's ironic. So what I learned in this process, it was a 10-step process that they would do for every single min- uh, person being delivered. And they would ask them questions. They would say, why are you here? Well, I have this issue, I have that issue. Okay, uh, it could have been an issue with parents. It could have been an issue with a spouse. Uh, it could have been uh, maybe a guy with pornography. Whatever, maybe they dealt with everything there. So since I was there, I would have to translate, because now we're English-speaking people there. So I was among a group of people translating, so the guy would ask the questions. One young lady, she said, uh, why why are you here? Well, I hate my father. So why do you hate your father? Uh, Because he did terrible things to my mother. She says, yeah. How do you know? Well, my mother told me. Then he would tell me, he said, you see, Victor, this is one of the biggest problems in deliverance. You can't just pray for somebody like this. You have to give them instruction. Young lady, what your mother did was unfortunate because she was imparting her pain to you. Yeah. Now, did your father did any, ever do anything to you? She says, no, he was always nice to me. Right. But you're angry at him. Yeah. Okay. Today, you have to release that anger. So he would walk her through and he would, you know, and she, he would tell her, he says, pray this. So, Heavenly Father, I release my father. I release this anger and I ask your forgiveness for carrying a pain that really didn't even belong to me, right? And then and he would pray for her and they would get delivered. And then they would come back and testify a week or two later. And she says, oh, I have a great relationship with my father now. I'm, I feel great. And, and on and on. Just I'm talking about, I can't share with you how many testimonies of people being delivered. But it was based on relationship, not just a quick prayer, and that's it, you're healed. And that's where the local church is very important, because part of the extension of the relationship with the Holy Spirit is your relationship with each other. Carmen was saying it this way, you have the horizontal and you have the vertical, right? And part of the strength of a local congregation is when you can have somebody you could talk to. Because sometimes you have to share it with somebody. Not that you have to confess it as, you know... Uh, in some religions, you have to confess every single thing to the main man. No, you confess to each other so that you may be healed, the Bible says. 
not, not just with anybody. You can't put your stuff out there just with anybody. But when, yeah, no, you can't. You can't just put your stuff out there with every, anybody because in certain cases, Facebook will know it within the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to be very careful who you talk to. But having said that, um, a, a church is a great place because even though we're imperfect, this is the forum that God set up for us to help each other. And one of the things I learned, that out of relationship with the Holy Spirit, you then, uh, little by little, start understanding the things that were deep within you. Because this is one of the things I learned there. People have issues, and literally, it's almost like a covering, and then another cover, another cover, another cover. Like you have a a t-shirt, you have a, um, a shirt, then you have a sweater, then you have a coat, then you have an overcoat. And many times in our relationship with God, God starts dealing with those layers, little by little, stuff you weren't even aware of. And one of the prayers they have the people go through is, pray this, say, Heavenly Father, show me the layers that I need to let go of. Show me the things that I'm not even aware of that are hindering me from a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get many amens from that one, but that is so good right now. Because we have layers that we have to deal with. And we're not even aware of it. And that's what happens. When we get into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. Help me. You know, what happens, you start praying. You pray in your heavenly language. And then the Holy Spirit starts showing you, you need to get rid of this anger issue that you go through all the time. You need to get rid of this habit that you have, whether it be a lateness thing, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, the way you talk to people. I don't know. I don't know what your issue is. I know what mine are because the Holy Spirit started showing me. And I, I can't say I'm already there, but I'm saying I'm in process. Because what happens, you, get, you, 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 get, you go through it voluntarily. Remember in the Old Testament, maybe you don't know this, but remember when God said, I'm going to bring you into the promised land? Remember that? And God spoke to Moses, and Moses, he got angry, so he wasn't able to go. Remember that? Remember that they had to go through 40 years of walking the desert wilderness until they got there? So now you have Joshua 40 somewhat years later on. And God says, okay, now it's time. Okay, let's go get it. No, oh, 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 not yet. Before you go in, you have to take all these men, take them to the desert somewhere, and have them all get circumcised. Now, I don't know if you know what circumcision is. Well, circumcision is a very, very painful process. Some people, you think they're cowboys, but they're not really cowboys. They just finish having a circumcision. So <laughs> The truth of the matter is that that was a sign, a covenant that God made with man, with his people. And part of it is cutting off a piece of skin that is natural to them, but potentially dangerous to their future. Because it was right at the place where the seed would pass. So when men and women enter into their place of intimacy, as the seed passed, it would have to pass through that skin. So if, if, if the skin was harboring anything unfortunate, like a bacteria or virus or dirt, that would get passed on to the womb. So potentially what could have been a seed for life could become also a seed for death. So God was, telling, um, God was telling Joshua, Joshua, first thing you need to do is we need to start cutting away that which is normal to this generation but could be harmful as they enter into their promised land. Yeah. 
Now, watch this. Joshua said, okay, everybody, time to get circumcised. <laughs> you know, it's similar to us saying, okay, people, let's be here Wednesday for prayer. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I need a high five. I need a high five. Give me a high five. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, one, one more. All right. Thank you. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Some things attract people. Other things repel people. Right? Now, if I was part of Joshua's army at that time, and he makes the call, I'll say, what was it that mom said I had to do or... I had to do some with the kids. It, it was, I, I, yeah, I have some sheep I need some tending to. No. You know what happened? All of them got online. All of them voluntarily laid themselves at the altar. All of them exposed themselves voluntarily before this man. They had to expose themselves and they had to allow themselves to be intimately handled... And allow the pain and the process in order for them to enter into their inheritance. And this is what happens to every man of God and every woman of God. There comes a time where God says, okay, I'm ready to take you deeper. But before I do that, I have to circumcise that anger. I have to circumcise that pride. I have to circumcise those habits. Because they're not going to be good for you as you enter into the promised land. Because if you enter with all your mess, you're just going to bring mess into your promises. And you yourself will thwart the very thing that God wants to do in and through you. That's how come one of the most dangerous times in your business life is when they give you a promotion. That's one of the most dangerous times in your business process. Because that's the time where you're going to go to a place where you're not used to. You're going to go to a place where you need more knowledge and you might not have that more knowledge. You were amazing at this level. Now they promote you to this level and now you're incompetent at this level. If you didn't decide to allow mentors to speak into your life. If you didn't allow the Holy Spirit to start highlighting things in you that needed to be removed and say, okay, Holy Spirit, begin the process. Remove it from me. I know I have issues. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. I go before you. I voluntarily go to the altar and ask you to cut away all that you need to cut away. Hallelujah. And so the Holy Spirit begins to cut, and that hurts. And every time he cuts, you have to, by necessity, be in a quiet place. You need to be in a quiet place. Because while you're healing, if anybody touches that, you're going to feel it. You might not respond the right way. And that's what happens with many people. You go, how you doing, brother? Don't bother me. And you get offended, but you don't know. They might be in a place right there where God's cutting away some stuff. You have to cut people some slack. Let them go through their process. And I tell you, and I tell you ladies that, when you argue with your husbands, with your boyfriends, and you hit a good spot, they might not admit it at the moment. They might actually walk away from you. The reason why they're walking away is because you just finished cutting them. You need to give them some slack. But you women want to win the argument right then and there, and you don't want to give the man a little room to be able to breathe a bit and to think this through. 
They're going to come back at you. They're going to come back and say, all right, all right, let's read. But you need, you caught them, you know, three days it took these people. So give them at least a day. God knew enough. I have to give them three days. Let them rest three days in the wilderness before they're ready to go in. Somebody say, ouch. (laughs) But it's amazing. Once they were circumcised, these guys went in there and started taking city after city after city after city. After Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Went through that temptation, went through that trial. What did he start doing? I mean, taking city after city after city. Everywhere he would go, cleansing the leper, casting out devils, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of the kingdom. Amazing ministry. Praise God. And he is our mentor. He is our mentor. He's the one that we look to. I don't have any better mentor here on earth than Jesus himself. And if he went through, I went, I have to go through. We all have to go through. You will go through times of difficulty. But the Bible says that the the Spirit of God, one of his many functions, not functions, but relationships with us, is that of a helper. He'll help us in our time of pain. He'll help us while we're a little confused. He'll kick out those guys who are doing trouble in your building, right? Amen. Praise God. He'll do stuff like that for you. My testimony might be a little different than yours, but the bottom line is he hears our prayer and he'll help us in the process. It is the very Holy Spirit that helps us with the fruit of the Spirit because we tend to go into the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, tenderness, you know, self-discipline. All of these things, the Holy Spirit will help you with that. Well, I have an issue with this. Holy Spirit will help. Well, I have an issue with that. Holy Spirit will help. Praise God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to have that personal relationship. And you can't hear the Holy Spirit if you're too busy. If you never have time for the Word, if you never have time for prayer, prayer has to become a priority. Because that's where we relate. That's when we hear the Spirit of God. One prophet, he was looking for God. He saw the earthquakes. There was no, you know, voice. He saw the land moving. He saw winds. There was no voice. And suddenly in this calmness, that's when he heard the voice of the Lord. We have to get to that place where we block stuff out. Block stuff out. You know how you do when, when you get on Facebook? You block stuff out. Twenty minutes later, thirty minutes later, you get in a zone. Yeah, am I telling the truth or not? An hour passes by, which oh man, time is flying. No, it's that you got in a zone. Now take that zone and get into the Holy Spirit zone. And you watch, the Spirit of God will start speaking to you, and you start learning. You know, sometimes it comes from, you sense something. You got to check in your spirit. You, you sense something. Oh, I don't know. Let me get to the word on this. Let me maybe call the pastor. I may call one of my leaders. What does this mean? But you'll start learning the moods of the Holy Spirit. You'll start learning the voice of the Holy Spirit. But that comes out of relationship. Again, Carmen, you you, you, you preach some of my message. You're all up in my message. You're saying that you have to have a relationship with your husband. Absolutely. It gets to a point that you know the way he feels just by an action, an inflection. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll pray over both of you. 
But the truth of the matter is true. Out of relationship, you get to know each other, and you talk, and you communicate, and, and that's the only way to, that's how human beings learn. It's by relationship. And the last thing I want to share about that is relationship will help you to be able to put on the full armor of God. Because you can't do it in the flesh. You can't put the helmet on in the flesh. You can't put uh, the, what, the shoes, have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You can't do that in the flesh. You know, the helmet, you can't put that on the flesh. Uh, uh, the belt of righteousness, the belt of truth, you can't put that in the flesh. It has to be a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that empowers us. Every single element. That at the end it says, pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Yes. See, so again, that's relationship. Tomorrow they, they invited me uh, to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, ministers from all over the United States. They're coming over just to pray, just to pray for this nation. And so they've asked me to be a part of the program. And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. I would love to be there. Um, but it's, it's amazing how important uh, we look throughout the nation and you see uh, how the Spirit of God is moving and He's bringing us together to what? To prayer. Because it's in relationship. And prayer is not just something that you're crying out to God. Prayer is our legal right. Prayer is a logistical advantage in the kingdom. Prayer is your authority being activated in the earth realm. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it's already being done in heaven. So when you hear what heaven is doing, you pray the will of God on earth through prayer and through declarations, and it starts changing this earth realm. The reason why is because when God made us on earth, he says, you are in charge in the earth realm. I put you in charge. You're my, uh, I guess, ambassador. You're, you're my manager here on earth. So anything that happens in this earth realm is man's responsibility. So when God's about ready to move, he'll move upon a man or a woman because anything in this earth realm has to be done through men and women. Yes. See, it was, it's, that's such an important point. God, when he establishes a law, he submits to the very law that he establishes. And on earth, man is in charge. God made that. So God submits to that process. To the degree when he had to deal with the sin issue, God had to become man and die on a cross as a man to fix the sin issue because man messed it up. And since man's in charge, man has to fix it. You see? So today in prayer, when we make declarations and decrees, we're actually shifting the natural landscape because we're overriding it because the spirit realm is the parent of the natural realm. We're actually spirit beings in a regular body. And so while we're here on earth, in this earth realm, we can touch this earth realm through our prayers, through our declarations. That's why it's so important that we speak the right thing. Christians shouldn't be complaining. Christians shouldn't be talking death because we, we're powerful beings. That's what we, we don't understand. Much of the mess we have, we create. I, 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 hold on a second. Amen, preacher. Good word. Good word. All right. Praise God. Yeah. You, you don't stir me up, I stir my own self up. But think about it. Your words are so powerful. The Bible says in the tongue, you have the power of death and life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when we speak a thing, we, we're creative beings. Every bridge that exists was first spoken into existence. It was in the mind of a person, but it was impossible for it to go from mind to creation. It had to go from mind to speaking, then it gets created. Whatever is spoken can be written down. If you speak a thing, the engineers go, okay, now I see it. 
This is the way you want to do it. This is how much metal. This is how much uh, this and that you need. But it first must be spoken. So we create things when we speak into this earth realm. And so out of relationship with the Holy Spirit, part of our ability, uh, it's the armor of God, is to speak the word of God. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. See? So as we relate with the Holy Spirit, he will help us with our moods. He'll help us with our idiosyncrasies. He'll help us with our needs. He'll help us with all of that. Why? Because he is the paraclete. That, the Greek word paraclete, he's our uh, comforter, our counselor, our friend, our standby, our intercessor. Praise God. 